reading from Hebrews. Christ did not glorify himself in becoming a high priest, what was appointed by the one who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, you are a priest forever. According to the order of Melchizedek, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered and have been made perfect. He became the source of the eternal salvation for all who obey him, having been designated by God a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to John, the 12th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from beside it in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, and then Andrew and Philip went to told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you that unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose, lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will be my servant also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason I've come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said that it was thunder. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, the voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of the world. Now the rule of the world will be driven out and I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. First thing I want to talk about is that weird name, Melchizedek, the one that people stumble over all the time, Melchizedek. It appears in the gospel, in the Bible, not in the gospel. It doesn't appear in the gospels at all, but it appears one time in Hebrews where it's mentioned twice, and it also appears in Genesis, Genesis 14 to be precise. Um, the appearance of Melchizedek, the king of Salem. Um, Melchizedek literally translate the king who is righteous or the righteous king. And Salem or Shalom is, the, the city of Shalom is the city of God's peace. So we have this one-time appearance within the, the Holy uh, Bible of, in the Old Testament, of the righteous king of the city of God's peace. And there's an interaction of Abraham offering, and it was probably Abram at that point, offering Melchizedek the 10%, the spoils of the conflict where they freed Lot, where all the other kings came together and they went to those who had captured Lot and they had bounty from war. And Abraham didn't want anything. He really just wanted to be able to get his nephew back 
and he offered his tithe to the righteous king of the city of God's peace. This Melchizedek, the order of Melchizedek, a high priest in the order of Melchizedek, are kind of mysterious words. Especially for us today, growing up in Christianity, it's like this odd little thing that jumps out. Well, who is Melchizedek? Well, there is more references to this mysterious Melchizedek in Jewish spiritual literature, such as the Kabbalah or the Zohar. Um, there is other references throughout different movements through time of disagreeing who Melchizedek actually was, who Melchizedek represented. In fact, Melchizedek is even mentioned in a way in the uh, Muslim holy, holy writings. But yet there's no consensus of who Melchizedek is, but one of the one of the speculations that is an early manifestation of Jesus, a, a, a place where Jesus came, was into this world, living as a high priest, as a king, the righteous king of the city of God's peace. And one of the reasons that they speculate that because in Genesis, Melchizedek brings bread and wine to refresh those that are coming back from the conflict. Um, I don't know who Melchizedek is, and understanding the, the, the nature of the writer of Hebrews and who he was writing to the Hebrews was giving justification to Jesus as being a high priest, even though Jesus was not from the family or the line of Levi and then Aaron, but instead was from the family of Judah, which was the fourth son of Jacob. But I just wanted to bring that up because we have this mysterious character that we know that there's a specialness about his presence, but we can't agree on what that is, but it's significant. It's a mystery, and I think the mystery is important. The righteous king of the city of God's peace. I love that. Let's get to that gospel, particularly that line that Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains a single grain of wheat. Well, one grain of wheat is really not much more than a snack for a bird. Wouldn't do anything for you or wouldn't do anything for I. Would not feed an individual, let alone a world that there's always famine, there's always hunger somewhere. But if you take a single grain of wheat and you put it into the ground, even in Jesus' day, especially in Jesus' day, you put that in the ground, the, the wheat died, the wheat disappeared. But out of its death came a new stalk of grain, which produced, and Jesus said in other places in the gospel, produces a head with 30, 50, or 100 other grains of wheat. Well, let's stick with that middle number, 50. So 50 grains of wheat in your hand would not be much more than a snack for you. But if then you replanted those 50 grains and we stick with that 50, you would get 2,500. Well, now you have enough to grind into a loaf of bread. But if you planted that 2,500, it would become 125,000. Again, using that 50 multiplier. 
but you, if you planted those, it would become 525 million, which would plant those become 62,500,000. And you understand, for those of you who are number people, you understand where this goes. Eventually, you have a bounty of wheat. In ancient days, they always reserved a portion of their wheat harvest because that was what they needed to plant the next harvest. So we'd always hold back a portion plus a little bit just to be safe so that you would have the seed to plant so you could have in the next harvest. And it's often a time of really indicating really bad famine when they say in the Bible they planted their seed stock or they planted the seed for next season, basically saying to eat today, we're planting the seed that's going to provide for us tomorrow. Sign the times are really bad. We've had those times recently for some, haven't we? But let's keep going with this idea. They also discovered, and this is something that, you know, you can go into detail if you study it, um, that if they took those grains of wheat, those heads of wheat that produced a hundredfold as opposed to thirtyfold, and separated those aside, a handful of, the, you know, a portion of those aside, they would increase the yield from their crops. And likewise, it discovered that as the crops would, maybe they would have a slight famine, not a real bad famine, but a slight famine, but certain parts of wheat, certain areas of wheat were able to maintain through the famine. They still produced. They found that by keeping those, they would get a wheat that was more resistant to drought. And the same with uh, all sorts of other calamities that could befall. They found that by taking those, those ones that survived and using those for their seed stock, they would get a hardier strain of wheat. Well, part of the problem with this, as you get you know, further and further, closer and closer, uh, the same uh, strains, there would also be different diseases that would strike those strains and not others. And later on, we discovered that if we crossed bread, the different strains of wheat, we would find the ones that were resistant to those um, different ailments that could strike the wheat field. The problem with crossbreeding, though, is that the resulting crops, while it might be premier, the seed itself would not necessarily breed true. So the more that we interfered, the more that we um, selectively gathered the wheat that we would use for the next year's crops, the more we would bring different problems in. And the more we began to learn to hybridize and crossbreed, the resulting crops, while maybe b beneficial and bountiful, were not going to breed true. So you would have to consistently rebreed those same crops together. Making this even worse, at some point we decided that by the manipulations of the genetic structure of the seeds, that it became intellectual property of the entity, the business, the company that did that. And even worse, that while maybe you did not use the genetically modified seed in your fields, that you continue to use your own seed stock by gathering and saving a portion of your crop. If your neighbor 
use the genetically modified seed because naturally things are going to cross-pollinate across the fields that you could no longer gain your own seed. And there was a court case that was went to the Supreme Court and it was ruled that you could no longer do that if your neighbor did. So you lost the right to hold your own seed or to reseed your own crops. Now why am I talking about all of this? Because Jesus was not talking about necessarily a grain of wheat. What Jesus was referring to was he was going to die. But because of his death and then rebirth, which is what happens with a seed, it is reborn and more and more and more are produced, that people of a new faith, a new way would increase. And that increase would go on and on as it did because while Christianity started out at a very, a very small movement in and around Jerusalem and Israel, it spread over the generations across the entire Roman Empire. And it wasn't instant, just like that seed, the first one. It's how many iterations were we up to? How many years passed before we had billions of grains of wheat? Well, over generations, Christianity spread. But as Christianity spread, they started to come into conflict. They started to come into, you know, discussing who was eligible to be saved by Christ and what you needed to do to be saved by Christ and how you needed to practice your faith and how you needed to worship and what was proper. And Christianity continues to do this today. In fact, just this week, a pronouncement came out from the largest body in the Christian world condemning a group of people for who they were. I don't want to get into the politics of that. I just want to point out that just like the hybridization and the genetic manipulation of the seeds meant that the intellectual property was now held by a very few people. We do this in our faith. We trust in large bodies to make decisions and understand that these conflicts have been going on for thousands of years now. In fact, the creeds that we, pro we proclaim as part of our service were a product of different factions of the church coming together and saying, well, this we'll agree on. The reason I mentioned the mysterious character of Melchizedek was to bring up the fact that there needs to be in our faith mystery. Well, there are many different factions from within Christianity, within Judaism, and even within Islam that who tried to say who they think Melchizedek actually was, what that righteous king of the city of God's peace, who he was and what he represented. It is still a mystery. And I proclaim this day that the mystery of God's grace remains a mystery. That the essence of one seed going into the ground and producing 
30, 50 to 100 fold still stands that Christ sacrificed Christ's self so that God may be glorified. And in that sacrifice, each one of us was made clean, regardless of who we are, what we practice, even if we understand or accept that premise. God has the last word. And in that word is mystery. God so loved the world that he sent his only son so that we could all live in a state of grace. Amen. Amen.